Hi, this is Sarah, and you're listening to The Sarah Keat, In My Car. Stories about riding, driving, and getting from here to there. Today's episode features a few very important car trips in my life. One quicker trip to the doctor, one very long road trip from Chicago to Texas, and one meandering but healing drive around the city. For those of you listening to this episode with your kiddos, up to you if you would like to leave this on for them, but the material may not be suitable for younger ears. I want to tell you about the time I didn't have a baby, but first I have to tell you about the time I did. We had been married for five years and decided to go off birth control. The very first month, I didn't get a period. We didn't count days or test when I was ovulating. We just got pregnant. On my way home from a rehearsal one weeknight, it occurred to me I was late. I stopped to buy a pregnancy test. I didn't think about acute reveal of the news to my husband or what you are supposed to do when you are hoping to have a baby with the love of your life. I just peed on a stick while he was right there in the bathroom picking his face in the mirror. I was dumbfounded when I saw the plus sign. I was nervous about being pregnant, but so excited to have a baby. We went to the doctor together the very next day. We called our parents and our siblings. Everyone was so happy for us. I was working for an options trading firm at the time and was in a play that was rehearsing at night. I came to work in the office at 7 a.m. and checked trades before the market opened and stayed until around 1 p.m. Maybe one week after we discovered we were expecting, I left the office to go to the bathroom and blood. So much blood. It felt hard to breathe. I was frozen, staring, scared, confused. The market bell had rung, we were open, and my coworker came to find me. I looked at this 21-year-old girl and I said, I'm pregnant and I think I'm miscarrying. She found my coat, she told my bosses. Even in her youth, she showed so much composure and compassion She got my car and drove me to my husband. I stared out of the passenger window. There are some moments in life you watch happen. I could see the traffic. I saw the crowded streets of the loop. I saw myself huddled in that passenger seat, listening to the music on the car radio. And I thought, everyone around here is just going about their day and I'm going through hell losing a baby. My husband drove me to the doctor and we immediately got the speech that doctors know so well. One in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. You haven't done anything wrong and you can't do anything to stop it. We will keep an eye on you. Don't blame yourself. He sent me for blood work and an ultrasound. We knew so little about what to ask or what to expect. At the ultrasound, the tech said to me, Your doctor will explain the results. We saw the doctor later that day, 
There is no fetal pole, he said. He used the words blighted ovum. We didn't understand. It sounded like he was saying there was no baby. Those precise words, though, he wouldn't quite say. I continued to give blood every other day. My HCG was not doubling as they would like. It was an indicator that while I might have been pregnant, the fetus was probably no longer growing. The doctor said, please, do not travel for Christmas. I don't want you to miscarry on a road trip in the middle of Arkansas, he said. Please stay here. You have lost a lot of blood. If you went to an ER today, they would give you a DNC. My husband spoke up. Can we wait? Neither of us wanted to do a DNC. Neither of us were sure this was a miscarriage. We were so excited to be pregnant, the doctor relented. At eight weeks, he would do another ultrasound. We were in a waiting game. By then, he says, he will be able to hear a heartbeat, if there is one. And so we make our trip for Christmas. It is usually a 15-hour drive from Chicago to East Texas. This drive is horrible. We had this idea to drive through the night and leave after dinner. I feel so sick. Immediately, I think I will throw up. John pulls over, and I do not vomit. I get back in the car. We make it to the on-ramp, and I throw up. So we pull over again. This happens three different times before I am finally able to fall asleep the majority of the ride. 17 hours later, and we arrive in Texas at my in-law's home. I am guarded and quiet and cranky. I am not myself. I wear only sweatpants and I hide in the guest room. I bleed off and on and when one particularly large piece of mucus and tissue falls into the toilet, I tell my husband, that was it. This is over. Usually a Pollyanna of positivity, my husband is sad to see me this way. We make the long drive back to Chicago and I call my director to say I will be getting a DNC and will need a couple days off of rehearsal. She is sympathetic and kind and asks me to keep her posted. I go to my doctor's appointment, I tell him my symptoms and he says, I am 99% sure you have miscarried, but we've scheduled the ultrasound, so let's go ahead and look. I go alone. I tell John that I'm fine. I lay on the table as she spreads that cold jelly over my stomach. The tech is looking and looking and then turns the screen to face me. There is a white dot blinking on and off. And she says, you see that there? That is the heartbeat of your baby. Tears spring to my eyes. What? How can this be? I call my husband. He is so happy. I call my doctor. He says in his thick Indian accent, Oh, Sarah, you are the 1%. This is a miracle. A miracle. You will name your baby Miracle. I laugh and we schedule another time for me to come and see him. We name him Owen. He was born August 20th, 2008 with a full head of hair. I so wanted a baby with a full head of hair. He has been passionate and sensitive and intelligent from day one. He is my darling miracle.
When he was two years old, we thought we'd like to get pregnant again. After a couple years of financial stressors and job changes, we decide we are ready to go through that crazy newborn stage again, and wouldn't it be sweet to have a little girl? I go off of birth control. I assume it will go just as it did the first time, but it does not. And it still does not. And six months later, it does not. There is a special kind of disappointment reserved for bleeding when you're trying to get pregnant. That monthly period, that dramatic demonstration of what is not living inside you. Even when science and logic tell you there is little probability, the blood is a shock. When your mind understands what needs to happen for that little embryo to begin, how lucky all those coincidences are in the first place, your heart still hopes, your soul still yearns. That is what hearts and souls do after all. Doctors blow me off. You've been pregnant already. There's not a problem. Maybe you aren't having as much sex as you think you are. Really? I don't know when I'm having sex. So we up our game. It is the sex Olympics over here. Sex, 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 counting days, having sex, counting some more. And still, every month, the blood, the show, the reminder that no, nothing is in that womb of yours, Sarah. We are finally referred to infertility testing. We find out that it is very unlikely we will get pregnant again. It would be a miracle. The next suggestion is insemination. And after that, IVF. We talk about these things. We pray about these things. We trust our hearts. And we say, no, thank you. We're done. There are days I cry. I saved all these baby things for the someday. Owen is now nearly five. This was three years coming, and when I clean out our storage unit and sell the cloth diapers and donate the jogging stroller, I think, oh God, that was it. He's my baby. It's a hard thing to be declared infertile when once you were fertile. When you already have clear evidence that God can overcome our earthly bodies. Slowly though, we feel really good about our choices. We are happy to have a family of three. We are enjoying our time together. We take vacations where we don't worry about naps or diapers. Owen is in school and my work is flourishing with these newfound daytime hours. We feel so content. That is the feeling I missed during those years of talking about infertility. Contentment. The infertility doesn't go away, but my perspective shifts. When you're trying to make a child, you can't help but live in the future. Life is full of wanting and hoping. Now I had found that I loved my present. I loved our only child so much. We clicked as a trio. Life was good. When Owen was seven years old and a thriving second grader, around the 1st of December, I realized I didn't get that dramatic show that ends each of my months. No period. What could be happening? 
I ignored it for a few days. Then I realized I had taken three naps that week. I hate naps. Sleep during the day gives me weird dreams and headaches. I prefer life awake. But these naps, it's like I couldn't fight them. They demanded I succumb, and I did, willingly. I was queasy on a Friday morning. I drank sparkling water and mint tea like it was my job. That Sunday night, I met two girlfriends for beer. Because I think I knew I wasn't going to be drinking for a while. I took a test the next morning. Positive. Pregnant. At 36 with a seven-year-old with diagnosed secondary infertility. My husband and I felt stressed. We also felt blessed. We slowly warmed to the idea. How strange, the one sperm that made it through in five years, what a fighter, we said. I was five weeks pregnant by my best estimate. Then I was six weeks pregnant. Then I was seven weeks pregnant. I was nauseous the whole time. I was tired, and this day my back hurt like a bitch. Low back pain wasn't something I had with Owen. I tried to relax, but I cried and took a hot shower. I stretched. I got a heating pad. I had a sinking feeling. My husband asked me to chill out, to relax. He called me on my attitude saying, you're so positive about everything else in your life. Why with this do you jump to miscarriage? It was hard to say because I know, because I don't, but I do, but I didn't, but I did. I bled for the next nine days. It was so similar to Owen, it was scary. Is anyone allowed two miracles? Can you win the lottery twice? We traveled this time to my family in Florida for Christmas. I bled heavier than with Owen, if I can trust my memory. I had some light cramps, but mostly I put on a brave face. We came back to Chicago and made a doctor's appointment. It was eight weeks and four days. She said we needed to do blood work. After that, we would schedule a second blood test and an ultrasound. Deja vu. If the first test came back with very low HCG, then she would know we miscarried. I gave the blood. She called me in just four hours. It is very low, Sarah. This looks like a full miscarriage. It will be unnecessary to do an ultrasound. I thought I knew this in my heart already, but I didn't. Remember? The heart hopes, the soul yearns, that's what they are supposed to do. While I had so many mixed feelings about having a child at 36, about having children eight years apart, I didn't want this phone call. I didn't ask for this. I didn't like hearing that word out loud, miscarriage. I do not want to be part of this club. I cried. There was no stopping the tears. I just cried. I called John. He came home from work. 
fell into his chest and I cried some more. I was angry. After years of trying, why now? Why a pregnancy now if it wasn't going to end with a baby? Whose idea was that, God? I lay in my bed until we needed to dress for a party. A party where I was one of the hosts, celebrating my team. Oh, the holidays. How was your trip? How was Florida? It was great. I got to see my family. Oh, and also the other fun thing, I had a miscarriage on Christmas Eve while I was out of state eating Chex Mix wearing a poofy red skirt. I didn't say that. I smiled. I asked about others. It was so good. And the next day, I cried more. I drove to clear my mind, aimless and in someone else's neighborhood that evening. I found twinkling lights hung on the bushes in the front yard of a tree-lined street. They were so beautiful. They were bright dancing fairy angels in a dark night sky. I pulled over to park and get out of my car. I stared at them for a few minutes and I started to feel peace again. By nature, I am thankful. I started naming in my heart all that filled me with gratitude. I exhaled. I felt thankful the miscarriage happened at eight weeks, not 18. I felt thankful I had Owen. I felt thankful it wasn't painful. I felt thankful it looked like I would not need a DNC. I felt thankful that I was home, that I was loved, that I was all right. The next day was New Year's Eve. We had some snow on the ground for maybe the first time this season. I decided to take Owen sledding. He was so excited. He was all smiles. The air was cold and the wind was whipping on top of the hill, but we were so glad to be outside. He went down a few times by himself and then asked me to join him. Mom, let's do that fast part together, that big bump. I climbed onto the back of his bright green plastic sled. My legs wrapped around his as we flew down the hill. He giggled when I couldn't help but squeal with joy. This was so fun. I felt young and free. We flew up in the air over the bump of ice. Joy welled up from under the tiny knots of hurt still lodged in my throat and rushed out of my mouth. Wing! We sled farther than he could on his own and when we came to a stop, my miracle baby looked back at me and said, this is the life, isn't it? Thank you so much for joining me for the second full episode of Sarah Keat in my car. I do hope there was something in today's story you could relate to, and there are links in the show notes um, for some amazing support groups if you also are going through infertility or infant loss. I do hope that you will join me next time by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or at 
Sarah Keat in my car. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And just as in the past, all the music today was by the amazing and talented Kelly McRae. And you can find more about her at kellymcrae.com.